This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Welcome in, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Happy Friday to you. Happy Founders Federal Football Friday to you. Glad that you're with us. Wherever you're joining us from, welcome, welcome, welcome. As we've got a full night of football for you next couple of hours here on Sports Talk. Then, of course, the high school football scoreboard coming your way at 10.05. Round two of the playoffs, and now things things really get serious in the uh, high school football playoffs around South Carolina. The uh, matchups, much better than they were last week uh, for the most part. So looking forward to bringing all that to you over the next two hours, then a two-hour break, and then back for two more hours. Of course, looking ahead to the weekend, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Columbia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Clemson, home teams, about two touchdown favorites each. Will they live up to that? Take your phone calls, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky number, Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel, and Chris Bergen. And, of course, this being Veterans Day, shout out to all the veterans across South Carolina. Thank you for your service, and thank you what you continue to do. We certainly appreciate you here on Sports Talk, and do not take you for granted. We understand the sacrifices that you make and uh, your family makes, so we appreciate everything that uh, you have done in your lives to – give us the freedom to do what we do here on Sports Talk, and that is to talk freely about the world of sports, including the news coming out late this afternoon. Of course, it's Friday dump day. Uh, You wait till Friday to dump the big news. So Jim Harbaugh gets another. (laughs) How many three-game suspensions can you have in one season? He gets another three-game suspension for uh, the rest of the regular season because of the investigation. This is from the Big Ten because of the investigation into all the uh, allegations about scouting teams and stealing signals, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, Michigan responds by saying they're going to take legal action. They're going to do what they can to try and block this uh, order from the Big Ten. So that's what we've come down to, Chris. Another three-game suspension for Harbaugh. Uh, for Harbaugh, excuse me. And, you know, my first reaction when all of this was coming down was, A, based on the evidence that I had seen, the stories I had read, the pictures that I had viewed, and the fact that he is a known cheater, then why would he not be caught up and implicated accurately in this case as well, despite all the claims otherwise? So, I mean, there is... Um, there's precedent here for him, uh, and he's already been suspended once. So, I mean, I know it's separate incidents, but, you know, uh, once a cheater, always a cheater, it seems to me. Uh, You know, cheaters don't uh, lose their 
lose their spots, cheetahs and cheaters. So do I think Jim Harbaugh uh, knew something here? Absolutely. I just don't understand how, as a head coach, you've got a guy on your staff who is um, seen prominently mingling with the coaches during games, including you, standing right next to you. Don't you think – I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I've never been a head coach in a college football game in front of 100,000 people. Maybe as a head coach you're not aware of people around you. Phil. Now, I do know that there are outliers who stand out on the uh, outside of the markings on the sidelines who are boosters and fans and good old boys. But inside mm-hmm. those markings that are supposed to be for player for team personnel only, I mean – are you are you with with your response to me? Are you questioning my questioning? <laughs> yes, because you've been around college football and you know how these coaches no, I'm, are. I'm, they I'm, know absolutely everything yeah. that goes on within their program. Okay, and something of this magnitude, there's no way that uh, that he would have pulled this off without the head coach knowing and and approving of this. There's just absolutely no way somebody would go behind their back and go scout and personally scout and film and do all the things they've been accused of without the head coach's approval. I just I don't I don't buy that in the least. The problem is if you're Penn State, if you're Ohio State, and whomever else Michigan has left on their schedule, you've just basically dialed up Tyler and Spartanburg from Michigan because I, I think the players are probably going to take this out on their opponents the rest of the way. That's why I said the other day, I think Michigan, I didn't think the Big Ten would do much because I felt like Michigan was their best opportunity at the college football playoff. The reason I said that is I think they're the best team. They may not be rated higher than Ohio State. I think they're better than Ohio State. And I think now all you've done is add fuel to the fire, much the way that Tyler and Spartanburg did last week for Clemson against Notre Dame. And I think Penn State's going to pay for it considerably. And and I saw this earlier today, too. You want to talk about Michigan having a competitive advantage how much of if you're going to wait until the day before and the team's actually in flight to get to Penn State before you announce that you're suspending their head coach, how is that not somewhat of a competitive advantage for Penn State? Well, if based on the pictures I saw, it looked like he was greeted on the tarmac there in, uh, <laughs> in, in, in State College. They greeted him on the tarmac, had a meeting there, and I guess maybe that he was given the word. Is Lane so, Kiffin again? Really? <laughs> so I, I don't know if he has to leave – you know, leave the team? Can he stay in the hotel? I don't know what all the uh, yeah, implications are of a suspension, but I mean, I'm sorry. Again, I can only conclude that Jim Harbaugh is running a rogue program at Absolutely. Michigan. Mm-hmm. You get suspended twice in the same season for three games. I mean, you can bury your head in the sand if you're a Michigan fan and blame everybody in the world and blame all the media for reporting on this and following this story, but it is what Somebody once says it is. It is what it is. And what it is is two suspensions. I mean, that's half the season he will spend uh, on the sideline, half of the uh, regular season. But here's the other thing, too. Should the program, should the team, I mean, how much did Michigan benefit and how much were they able to take this information and help them win? Should they not be penalized from a win-loss standpoint as well? Great question, yes. Because it sounds to me, to me like this penalty. is a competitive advantage that they took advantage mm-hmm. of, and they're claiming everybody else in the Big Ten steals signs. Well, they haven't proven to anybody else that I can tell that other Big Ten teams uh, had um, a member of their staff uh, going and, and, and scouting in advance other teams and, and organizing 
uh, a scouting system to help their team against upcoming opponents and also apparently, allegedly, uh, trying to um, knock out potential playoff teams by helping the teams that those potential playoff teams were going to be facing. So a pretty elaborate scheme going on there that nobody else in the Big Ten seemed to be that deep into. Yeah, were they – were they stealing signals and were other staffs talking to other staffs after games about Michigan? And well, that happens. That's commonplace. Oh, yeah. That Absolutely. is no, that is no secret. That is nothing that the NCAA frowns upon, but this is something different. First thing, I believe Michigan will probably take this a little more seriously. I doubt their special teams coordinator is going to be the head interim head coach tomorrow, the way they did earlier in the year. Remember, they had three different interim coaches during yeah. the first part of the season because they were playing the, you know, sisters of the poor. Second thing, Clemson fans, when you're going up to uh, Death Valley tomorrow, or Gamecock fans, if you're coming over here from Florence and driving down I-20 or going up I-26 and you're speeding, if you get pulled over, just tell the police officer, well, you know, everybody else is speeding. See how that excuse plays out. Mm, yeah. And I've, it, tr- I've tried that. It's the same thing, I've, right? Yeah. I've tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> and then, guys, how about the – I don't know if you guys saw the tweet that came out today from current University of Charlotte head coach uh, – I think I'm going to pronounce this right – Biff Poggy, Poggy? Whatever, he was the associate head coach at Michigan the last two seasons, is very, very close friends with Jim Harbaugh. His own words, they're attached at the hip. He fired out a tweet this afternoon saying, quote, I have been quiet on the Michigan situation, and then all caps, but no longer. I was closer to Jim Harbaugh over the last three years than anyone except his wife and kids. If Jim knew, I would have known. I didn't know, and neither did he. I stake my reputation on it. Stop whining and get a better team. (laughs) <laughs> and again, that's the current head coach at the University of Charlotte. <laughs> I'm right. just not buying it. I'm, I'm just not buying that Jim Harbaugh didn't know this was happening. I just, I, if if so, he's not doing his job as CEO of that program because they always tell us, you know, in the post game, if if a team loses, the buck stops with me, right? The head coach is responsible for how well they play. Well, he's supposed to be responsible for everything going on in the program. And I just can't believe there was just some rogue analyst that was buying tickets on his own to go to ball games so he could help scout and help improve his team's chances of winning without the coach's knowledge. I, I just find that extremely hard to swallow. And one more note there. I believe currently the Big Ten is calling this some kind of unsportsmanlike or as a sportsmanlike type penalty is the phrasing they're using. I may be slightly butchering that. But if what you're saying is true and he did not know, couldn't the Big Ten or the NCAA then just change the penalty to lack of institutional control? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Exactly. Because, again, okay, so even if you claim you don't know, even if you didn't know, that might almost be worse because, again, to your point, you are the CEO of Michigan football. You are the head of that program, of that team. And for you to not know that, that says a lot about yourself and the way you maintain yourself as CEO of that program. Again, you know, this is uh, – I see this as nothing more than a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, being without your head coach, yeah, but you know what? You can get by. Uh, making teams forfeit wins and costing them a chance at the playoffs. Now, that would be somewhat self-defeating, right, for the Big Ten. And maybe they took that into consideration. Exactly. Let's, hey, man, let, let's don't be knocking out our team that might make the playoffs and make us you know, millions of dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. Let's don't think for a moment that that conversation didn't take place in the offices of the Big Ten. How can we do this? How can we show a little bit of muscle but not cost ourselves in the bank? And, you know, imposing forfeits would have been the appropriate penalty if you believe – that Michigan, and what else would they receive here but uh, a, a, an advantage 
against their opponents. And this is what uh, Pat mentioned, institutional control, all of that, you know, recruiting violations, all about uh, keeping teams from gaining an advantage unfairly over another. Well, nothing screams uh, louder than this, that a team gained an advantage because they had a system for going out and deciphering, uh, well, scouting in advance and, and then taking that information and using it to their advantage against their opponent. What more do you have to do to incur the penalty of a forfeit or multiple forfeits than something like that? Um, so I think he's, he'll still be able to – well, again, I don't know. Have we got a um, breakdown on what the suspension means? I mean, is he has – He's away from the program for three weeks, right? He can't even practice coach. No, no, no. He can coach them during the week. Oh, he can. Uh, yeah, okay. just not on the week. Coach them during the yeah. week, just not on game day. Could he do that in the previous suspension? I thought the previous suspension he was literally away from the program and not not at practice. But maybe I'm wrong on that as well. I'm, that I, I do not know. remember, but I, I do know the uh, the suspension f- for now. Yeah. It seems ridiculous. Yeah, you can coach them all the way up to Saturday at kickoff, and then you have to disappear. Yeah. And, guys, I'll answer your question. I know we need to get to David Shelton here momentarily, but I think I have an answer to your question or at least a thought on why it was just a slap on the wrist and no games were involved here. And I think it's the Big Ten hedging their bet. I think it does come down to the bottom line and come to money. And where I'm going with this is Michigan and Ohio State are both currently slated to be in the college football playoff. They're both in the top four. They're also both in the Big Ten East, meaning the winner of their game Thanksgiving weekend will go on to the Big Ten Championship and will most likely have the be in the driver's seat to maintain a position in the college football playoff. Well, let's say Michigan beats Ohio State. Well, now what the Big Ten has done is they have hedged their bet where if the NCAA comes out and says, you know what, Michigan's ineligible for the postseason, but Ohio State has one loss, Ohio State and the Big Ten can argue, hey, they may not have won the conference championship, they may have a loss, but their only loss came against Michigan, who was cheating. Mm. So they should still get in. And now... No matter what, the Big Ten gets at least one of the two of those teams into the college football playoff, so they are still going to get that money in the bank for the conference. Yeah. The NCAA has yet to be heard from here, and they're trying to keep the NCAA out of it. They're trying to keep it as a conference issue. That's one thing that Michigan and the Big Ten, I guess, working together uh, are trying to do is to keep the NCAA honchos on the sideline uh, and try to make this uh, a, a conference thing which I harken back to the days of the 1982 Clemson NCAA uh, probation when the Tigers were hit hard uh, after winning the national championship. They received, uh, in that investigation from the NCAA, they called that the, the, the biggest case ever at that time. But what uh, really sent Clemson fans and the administration over the top was the NCAA handed down a two-year uh, probation for Clemson, which included the 82 season. Okay, so they served that. So it would have been one more season, 83. But then the ACC came in and put another year on it, making it a three-year probation. And that really incensed uh, the Clemson people at that time. So my point is the uh, Michigan people have been successful and the Big Ten people have been successful to this point in keeping this as a conference issue and not an NCAA issue. So – How you decide when the NCAA steps in and when it stays on the sideline, I don't know. But they've been able to do that and um, spare them whatever wrath the NCAA might be able to create. I'm not sure they can create wrath anymore. All right. 
So that is uh, the big story nationally. We'll talk more about the games coming up, and we'll give you our picks. We've got Lee Sterling coming up as well. And George, Brian, and Robbie Thames. Uh, golf and fitness coming up a little bit later on. Right now, though, it's time to turn our attention to the high school scene as it is a Founders Federal Football Friday night here on Sports Talk. The high school scoreboard at 10.05 tonight, starring David Shelton. I'm just here to give the scores. David is there to give the insight. And David joins us now as we go into week two of the playoffs. Welcome in, David. How are you? I'm tired, Phil. I don't know if I'll make it till 10 o'clock tonight. (laughs) What's made you so tired? Uh, Lack of sleep. That would do it. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Well, drink some coffee and um, you you can catch a nap at halftime or something like that. Where are you going to be tonight? I am in the parking lot right now at James Island High School where the Hartsville Red Foxes are coming in to take on the 11-0 and James Island Trojans in what should be a really good yes, matchup. Yes, it should. Yes, yep. yes, it should. Well, let's begin with the 5A and, okay, Dutch Fork and T.L. Hanna. I think, you know, if, if Dutch Fork has really rebounded and is, is back for this year, we're going to find out tonight up at Hanna. What do you think? Um, this is a big game for Hanna, too, because they're having another great year, and – to lose to Dutch Fork obviously would end their year, but would take away you know a lot of what they what they have accomplished in a in a year where Dutch Fork has been viewed as down, but now they appear to be on the rebound. Yeah, I mean this is um, I'll be honest with you. In, in my mind, it's a bigger game for Hannah than it is for Dutch Fork. Now it's obviously a big game for both teams because if you lose, you don't get to play no more. But I think Hannah. You know, they kind of need to prove something. They, they kind of need to prove they can take Dutch Fork to the woodshed like they take everybody else up there, mm. uh, most cases, with that offense. Um, you know, Dutch Fork, and you know, I mean, they're kind of playing with house money. I mean, nobody is expecting Dutch Fork to get into the finals. I mean, they're 6-5, and five and a lot of people have counted them out, but now they're healthy. Uh, you know, Tom Knotts is the master motivator, and, you know, he's probably told his players all week, you know, nobody thinks you can go to Hannah and win, but we beat Hannah. We own Hannah. We're not going to let this happen, you know. So I think the pressure's on Hannah. And, you know, now, I, you know, they very well could win. I, I think it's a very good matchup. Um, but they, they got to put points on the board, and they got to prove that, that Dutch Ford can't stop them because not many people have stopped Hannah all year. True that. That running game has been uh, pretty pretty difficult for teams to slow down. What about Spartanburg? And I'm bringing them up because, okay, they went on the road. They haven't had the greatest of seasons, but they went on the road. They beat Rock Hill. As a result, they're at home tonight. No, I'm sorry. They'll be going to J.L. Mann. J.L. Mann is hosting tonight. So what about that matchup? Mann really trying to make a name – for themselves on the statewide uh, basis, but here comes Spartanburg, kind of like Dutch Fork. You can't sleep on Spartanburg at any time in the playoffs. No, you can, and and, and just like Hannah, I think the the pressure is on JL Man. You know, they they have really had an excellent season, and they've been pretty good the last couple of years. But you beat a team like Spartanburg. Uh, I don't care what the record is. If you beat a Spartanburg in the playoffs you've you've done something pretty good 
And, uh, you know, I, I think Spartanburg is going in, you know, loosey goosey, six and five. Nobody thinks we're any good. Uh, and, you know, but you got to remember, they did, they did beat Dutch Fort back in the early part of the season. And they played a really tough schedule, played Grayson out of Georgia and should have beat them, had a bad snap on a punt and basically lost the game. Um, so, you know, I think the pressure, I don't want to say pressure because pressure's on everybody to win, but, mm-hmm. but I, I think Yale Man has more to prove. Tonight, a win tonight gets them to ten and two. They've beaten Spartanburg in the playoffs. I think a lot of people pay a lot more attention to Jo Man if they can win this game tonight. David Shelton with us. He'll be back with us for the high school scoreboard show coming up just after ten o'clock tonight. And uh, David, the four A playoffs fascinate me uh, just from a tradition standpoint, and a lot of different intriguing matchups. Greenwood Northwestern being one of them. But what Irmo did last week to Carlton County. Uh, 85 hmm. to nothing. Hmm. Is is that as much an indictment on Irmo running up the score as it is? The high school league has got to figure out a way to cut one round of the playoffs. I mean, what's it going to take? Some teams score 100 points in the opening round before we realize that the first round of the playoffs don't need to exist? Uh, well, I'm a very big proponent of cutting out one round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, they, I think 14 games is plenty. Um, you know, they talk about kids playing – you know, year round, this, that, and the other, and everything. Well, they're playing 15 games. They're playing more games than, than the college guys. So um, I would like to see a round cutout. I, I I would like to see this at-large system. Now, granted, now you take that instance and you take what Lancaster did to Ridgeview mm-hmm. as a right. win team, and but that is really, really few and far between. And Lancaster will not beat Lucy Beckham tonight. So, you know, they got their they got their win, they're two and nine, they're in the second round of the playoffs. And it and it kinda comes down and I get people mad at me when I say this, but do do you deserve to be in the postseason if you won one out of ten games? I think you you know, you no. can say, Well, that's the way the system that's the way the system's set up. Well, then we need to change the system. Um and, and get rid of I mean, Carlton County had no business playing at Irmo last week, and you know, I talked to some different people, and Irmo had their starters in. They were up sixty-three nothing at half, and their starters were still in the game in the third quarter. Ridiculous. I wasn't there. I don't know, but I was told that by a family member of the College County coaching staff. Now, maybe that was just, you know, but but my response was, well, yeah, I mean, that's bad if they did that, but College County shouldn't have been there. They should not have applied uh, for the for the at large. Because that's how you get in. You apply, and nobody else wants it, so they give it to you. And I, I just don't like that. I don't. I don't like that. I mean, that's who, a new one on who, me. What, what, what do you mean apply? I had, I've never heard that before. A, the the at larges are are they apply to be an at large team because they the top four make it. Yeah. You know they but they got to fill out enough brackets so they get some at large spots. And Lancaster applied to be in that in that at large group and I, they might have been the only team to apply other than Colony County so they give it to them um you know there were some teams that could have applied that had you know maybe had two wins hmm. well you know Colony County had two wins in the regular season but um you know I, I just think it was a bad move but I think they took advantage of the system and I would be all for cutting out a round of the playoffs I mean 14 games totally is enough. You can, 
you can decide a state champion in 14 games. I mean, let's be let's be honest about it. You can do it. Now, in fairness to Irma, I don't want to take too much away from them because they're a really, really good football team. They won't play each other until perhaps uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Are they good enough defensively to knock out South Florence in the lower state finals? Well, I think uh, I think they are. I think they're. I think they can score. Um, you know, South Florence defense is really good. Right. A lot of people are. A lot of people want to see that matchup. Um, but you know, the winner of this game that I'm at, James Allen Hartsville, will will go to Irmo next week. So Irmo will have another. You know, but I think I think they can play with South Florence. I think Irmo is really good. I'm not taking anything away from them. Um, you know, if you can score 80, score 80, but they're really good. Yep. Okay, David, get some rest. <laughs> and we'll talk to you tonight, 1005, Founders Federal High School Scoreboard. Thank you, David Shelton. Back after this break, we've got the football filibuster coming up. Don't go away. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It is Sports Talk on this Friday night, this Founders Federal Football Friday night. Shout out to our good friends at Founders Federal. What a fabulous job they do with a great company. And so appreciative of their partnership with us here on Sports Talk on Friday nights. And they, you talk about a company that is heavily involved in the sports world in South Carolina and very much involved in the high school scene as well, promoting high schools all across the state uh, we appreciate them. We thank them for being a part of uh, Sports Talk and the high school scoreboard. Okay, now it is time to get into the phase of the program on a Friday night where we help to edumacate you. That's right, I said edumacate. Uh, I am a South Carolina high school graduate. And uh, we bring you some of the great uh, football and slash political minds of uh, recent time here in South Carolina. Then we give you our picks, and then Lee Sterling gives you the professional help. So we begin with the football filibuster. Let's welcome in former Governor Jim Hodges to Sports Talk. Unfortunately, his uh, his opponent tonight, Attorney General Alan Wilson, where did he say he was, in Arizona? He's in Arizona, yep. What's he doing out there? Representing the great state of South Carolina. Beyond that, I am not sure. But he did say he stepped out of a meeting of about 50 people to answer the phone and let us know he will not be available tonight, unfortunately. I do not recall giving him permission to leave the state. have to take this up with him at another time. Governor Hodges, how are you, sir? Who was your attorney general back in the day? Would he ever uh, leave the state prior to an important engagement like the football filibuster? Well, you know what uh, what Alan's doing? He's actually representing Jim Harbaugh. He's getting the papers together, <laughs> getting an injunction filed. That's good. Who was your attorney general back then? Well, the attorney general was separately elected. Is a guy named Charlie Condon who's oh, yeah, from yeah. down in Charleston. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice fellow. I remember him. Yeah. Nice fellow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know everybody's separately elected in South Carolina. Uh, except now, let's see, don't we and why have... why is that, Governor? Yeah. Why is the Attorney yeah. General in an elected talk, position? Let's talk politics. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, we, Shouldn't that be an appointed position? Attorney. 
Well, most every state elects an attorney general. There are very few that don't uh, now. Hmm. It's just a tradition that goes back to the uh, late 1700s. I've never understood why uh, uh, the sheriff's position is an elected position. Wouldn't you want, like, the best lawman in your county to be your sheriff? I've got a better one, Phil. How about the coroner? Yeah, that too. Why do you need to have an elected person to, to be the coroner? That's a good one, yeah. There, there are, look, there are a lot of elected positions at the state and local level that you're left scratching your head about why you just don't try to, you know, try to let those be appointed positions. But when you do that at, at the state level, it, then it becomes who gets to appoint them. And, yeah, that's, that's where things get dicey. It's, it's who's making the decision and who they're appointing, and that even happens at the local level too. And it always ends up screwing up efforts to reform things. <laughs> Understand. <laughs> hey, before we get started, I know that uh, Veterans Day is also uh, a very special day uh, for you from your days of uh, state uh, government leadership. So I want to give you a chance to uh, comment on uh, the Veterans uh, Day and Veterans Day weekend that we are approaching here in South Carolina and across the country. You know, I was with a client of mine, a company called Veterans United, yesterday out in Austin, Texas, and we were talking at length about, they do a lot of VA loans, and we were talking about, you know, the, the veterans in the country and the work they do around the country in particular, what they were doing in Texas at the time. And it, it just reminds you of the incredible role that the veterans have played in making our nation great, and they continue to do that. Um, I remember... One veteran, and specifically my dad, who's passed away, Neil Hodges, who was in uh, World War II for six years, two years before it started, and then uh, obviously the war started, and uh, he was kept on for another four, but uh, had some great stories from North Africa and Europe, and uh, I always think about those things. Well, I heard today, I did not know this, I was educated about this, I heard today on a newscast why Veterans Day is always on November 11th. Do we I do not know. Tell me that. Well, it goes back to the armistice. It was called Armistice Day originally, the armistice at the end of World War One, And they did it apparently on the 11th day of the 11th month at the 11th hour. So it was 11, 11, uh-huh. 11. So, and then later Congress changed it to Veterans Day to include, you know, veterans of all the other wars. Back then you just had the first one. So it was Armistice Day. Then it became Veterans Day, but it was noted for 11-11-11, 11th day, 11th month, 11th hour, when they signed the papers that's to end great, World War One. That's a great – I did not know that. That's yeah. a great bit of trivia. Yeah, you, you, you listen to sports talk. You, uh, you, you get educated on a number of different things there, Gov. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Absolutely. That's why we've always been your favorite uh, sports talk show. I remember the days when you were governor. You'd pull up to Billy G's in uh, in your limo there. No, it wasn't a limo. I think it was a Ford. And um, come on in and, and grab a cold one and sit down with us and talk sports. We did. Those were, you know, in the, the first year that we started doing that was the year Carolina went 0-11. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was hard to get anyone other than me to show up over there. <laughs> I just know one thing. As soon as you walked in, you went straight to the bar you got a cold one, and then you sat down. I think Kevin Cohen was the co-host, and you sat down with us, and you chopped it up on some football for that weekend. So uh, we always appreciated that. All right, let's get to the picks. So uh, the general has not sent us his picks, so he is in absentia tonight. But he will send his picks. You'll have to, you'll have to pick blindly, trying to you know figure out who he might pick if it matters to you. Last week, both of you went three and two. 
So you still have a two-pick lead, 25-25 for you, 23-27 for him. So here we go. Let's begin. Miami at Florida State, and the uh, Seminoles at home are favored by 14-and-a-half. Well, let me just say, he's looking more and more like Harbaugh now. He's, he's probably <laughs> listening somewhere to my picks. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got our stream dialed in out there in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, he's got his staff listening. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think um, – I think I'm going to take Florida State on this. I know it is a rivalry game, and that's a lot of points, but I think I'll take Florida State. All right. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe in Miami anymore. They've let me down too many times this year, so I kind of agree. Let's go to Tennessee at Missouri now. Missouri at home and is getting a point. I really liked the way Missouri looked against Georgia last. I thought that Missouri played well against Georgia Mm -hmm. and showed me something. Um I'm going to take Mizzou. I, again, they're playing at home. It's not a, it's not a super home field advantage, but it's a, it's it's okay. And they're having the best year they've had in a long time. I, I think Mizzou's going to win this one. Yeah, sixty thousand plus. I'm sure. Um, I like Missouri here getting the point as well. I like their team. They got a you know a very good quarterback who can run, an excellent running back who can run, and a pretty good defense. Ole Miss, yeah, at, pretty balanced. Yeah, Ole Miss is Georgia's wide receiver too. Oh yeah. Ole Miss at Georgia. Yeah. Ole Miss <laughs> Ole Miss at Georgia. The Bulldogs, uh eleven point favorites at home here. And what do you think? Georgia kind of been playing with everybody, but uh, when they have to turn it up a wick or two, they do so. Yeah, they have. And I'll tell you Ole Miss has got to show me something on the road. They play pretty well at home and, and they certainly are good offensively, but they have let me down a number of times when they were playing a, a, a tough, important road game. Uh, so I'm, I'm with Georgia until I'm proven wrong. I'll take Georgia. Good call, I would agree. Let's go to the locals and South Carolina, back at home, back at noon, back as a two-touchdown favorite, uh, playing Vanderbilt, a team they've won, is it 13, 14 in a row against? They just dominated this 14. series. 14 in a row against Vandy. But both of these teams can't stop the pass. So the quarterbacks could have a huge day. What do you think? This is this is a tough one. I really think Mandy's going to keep keep it within the point spread. But I'm going to take Carolina on this one. I, something tells me that after the way that game ended last week, that we'll have a little momentum going into it, and, and Vandy can't, yeah, they can't stop the pass. So uh, give me the Gamecocks. So in the same sentence, in the same breath, you talked yourself out of what you were going to do <laughs> because you said because I really, you said I really think Vanderbilt's going to play this within the points, but then I'm just going to take South Carolina anyway <laughs> because I'm leading by two games. Okay, you got little you got a little wiggle room. <laughs> I got a little wiggle yeah. room, and and I and I think he'll probably pick Carolina too. Yeah, uh, I, something something tells me that. Uh, this isn't rational, but something tells me that Carolina is going to play their best game, yeah. and uh, they will beat them by, you know, 17. I agree. Uh, and let's go to Clemson, Georgia Tech. Tigers uh, feeling good about themselves again after last week, and they're favored by 14. I'm going to take the Tigers. I, I know Georgia Tech's played better this year, and they've won five games, but again, the only road game I think they've done much with is Miami, and that's 
never really a road game when you look at the crowds of the Miami game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think I'm going to take the Tigers. They, they seem to turn the corner last week. Okay. So we will skip on the amendments uh, portion of the program. Nothing to amend since you don't know what uh, the general is going to do. So we'll just ride with what you got. Clemson, Gamecocks, Georgia, Missouri, and Florida State. Uh, what are your plans for the weekend? Uh, Asheville, uh, the beach, uh, the football game, or just uh, sitting out over in Shandon? You know, I flew in from – I was in Austin the last two days at our office doing some work there. Uh, so we're going to the game tomorrow. I, you know, I like the fact it's a noon game. Uh, my wife and I are going to the game and uh, looking forward to it. Does your and entourage football tomorrow night. Does your entourage uh, disrupt traffic still? Like, do you get uh, highway patrol, <laughs> you know, clearance and all that kind of stuff? The, the entourage is the two of us. So, uh, no. Tra- traffic traffic would not stop would be stopped at all if we were to walk across. <laughs> all right. Well, you enjoy yourself, and thank you for joining us tonight, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Governor. You bet. Have fun, guys. Thank you. Bye. That's Governor Hodges and Attorney General Does he have to Wilson. buy tickets when he goes to Carolina or Clemson games, you think? Oh, that's a good question. Do you get lifetime tickets if you're a former <laughs> governor? That's good. Uh, you want to take the break think. first? You want to do the break first or you want to do the picks? I'm asking Pat. Take the break? Okay. Let's go to the break, and we'll come back and give you our picks. And we don't have the general's picks in yet, so we'll have to add those uh, when he gets around uh, to getting to us. You know, he's probably out there. He's out. Uh, is he in Phoenix? He said Arizona. I guess I would assume Phoenix. He might be out there at, uh, what's that place called, Sedona? Sedonia? That's supposed to be like really, really beautiful spot out there in Phoenix. Sedona, yeah, beautiful area. But I would imagine he's in Phoenix. I did not ask. He did not say. But that's the capital, right? Uh, I think it is. It's a big city. Yeah. Okay, back with our picks in a moment. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seacattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. 
Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Football season is upon us, and that means Columbia is welcoming fans from around the corner and across the country. No matter where you're from, Gamecocks love coming together for game day energy that can only be found in South Carolina's capital city. Book hotel rooms, find pre- and post-game activities, and plan your tailgate spread with local favorites from pimento cheese to barbecue at experiencecolumbiasc.com. We'll see you soon, and go Gamecocks! Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803 803- 749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. All right, now it's time to get to the meat of the story, and that would be the Sports Talk Pick'em Challenge and the illustrious panel. How did we do last week? Well, let's Oh, you know what? Not too good. Why don't I see my added up numbers here on my sheet? Do you have them on your sheet? I don't I see my... earlier. I, I don't see my number. For some reason, on my sheets, I don't see my... I don't see the results from last week. Did I don't I recall them? getting an email with that. I got the ones that show our overall standings, yeah. but I, I did not receive a, any, sent, anything this you week. You sent the that. updated uh, standings of last week's picks like Monday. Right. Was I was weird. really you trying to get really on top early. of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was really trying to get on top of things. All right. So hang on a second. Is. This is not acceptable. This is not acceptable. Um, here we go. Let me pull this up. Last week's results. I should have it on this. Uh, okay, here we go. I got it. So, from last week, because that's important, right? Everybody wants to know what we did last week. All right. Mm-hmm. We're all waiting now, Phil. Thank you. <laughs> all right, so I went one and four last week. I really stunk. I'm 28 and 22. Uh, Bergie, two and three. You're 23 and 27. Uh, I had lunch with Dr. Rick today, and he's proud of the fact that uh, he's within one game of the lead. He really takes this seriously. Between yeah, yoga, second place now. yoga yeah. and Pilates. Uh, really help him. Good for him. Three and two. He's twenty nine twenty one. Smitty two and three. He's twenty seven twenty three. Uh, let's see. Pat two and three. Twenty six twenty four. Kev Cohen two and three. Uh, he is our leader at thirty and twenty. He's gotten red hot. That a boy, Kevin. Uh, Bobby Harton two and three. Twenty three twenty seven. Fran Halloran has moved into second. Tw- uh, two and three week. Twenty nine twenty one. Teddy Hefner. Four and one last week. He's right in the in the money. Twenty seven, twenty three. Uh, Smothers three and two. Twenty two, twenty eight. 
Uh, Pete Yannitator, uh Yannity, two and three, thirty and twenty. So he's tied with the for the lead. Jim Corbett, two and three, twenty four and twenty six. Don Williams, a three and two week, twenty four twenty six. So now so did Teddy picked Jacksonville State. Teddy, because picked, I'm guessing the majority of the misses were the Gamecocks. Uh, yeah, the USC Gamecocks last week. No, he picked uh, the Gamecocks. Uh, yeah, um, we all did. But did right. he pick the Jacksonville State Gamecocks? Yes. No, he picked the, the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Okay. Yes. So that was the only one he missed. Only one he missed, yeah. He picked mm-hmm. the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Now, to this week's picks. So, I am going with, I'm taking Clemson, looking for a big win, taking the Gamecocks, looking for a big win, taking Georgia, they're going to man up, taking Missouri, they're good, and they're very good at home, taking Florida State, because I don't trust Miami, so I'm taking Florida State. Then, uh, Chris, do you want to identify your – this is a rare Friday night uh, for you yeah, being with us. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. You wanna, yeah, you unfortunately, wanna, no more soccer, Steve. You, um, I'm, I'm with you on every game but the Georgia-Ole Miss game. I think Georgia wins, but I think Ole Miss, because of their offense and the creativity of Lane Kiffin, mm-hmm. I think they keep it close enough mm-hmm. to cover. I don't think they'll win, but I think they keep it close enough to cover. All right, Pat, what you got? That game specifically or my five picks overall? Down the sheet. I am taking – I do think Clemson wins the game, but I think Georgia Tech keeps it close. So I'm taking Georgia Tech and the 14 in that game. Mm. I'm taking the Gamecocks as USC and the points against Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I'm going to skip and come back to the Ole Miss-Georgia game because that – gosh, I cannot decide. Tennessee-Missouri, I'm taking Tennessee. I just – yes, Missouri is good at home, but I think Tennessee does win by more than one point. And then Miami-Florida State – I still just don't know about the health of Florida State's top two receivers. I think they're going to rely a lot on their running back. But last week, that offense, just that prolific offense, did not look quite the same against Pitt. And I think Miami is going to have a similar approach. Miami loses, but they do cover. Georgia? This is the one I am going back and forth on. I have, feel like last week I said I've learned my lesson against betting or for betting against Georgia. But then what they do last week? They let Missouri stay close. It's a night game in Athens, though, and the last time I remember seeing a big game at night in Athens was that thrashing of Kentucky a little while back. See, I'm talking myself into the Bulldogs. I'm taking Georgia. You got them. Ole Miss is better than Kentucky, though. They are, and they put up a lot of points, but the way they throw the ball around, that could also that could also no turn doubt. into a number of turnovers by, by the Rebels, and I think that might be what happens. Georgia covers late. All right, Dr. Rick is going Clemson. Gamecocks, as he said to me, he listened to Dabo. He's buying stock. Uh, and then South Carolina, he says, he's picking the Gamecocks against his uh, better knowledge. Uh, then Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Florida State are his other picks. Smitty is taking uh, Georgia Tech and the points. He's taking Vanderbilt and the points. And he's Mr. taking Contrarian. Yeah, he's taking Georgia, Tennessee, <laughs> and Florida State. Uh, Kev Cohen. He's taking Tech. He's taking the Gamecocks. He's taking Georgia, Missouri, Florida State. Bobby Harton, dominator of Charleston. He's taking Clemson, Gamecocks, Georgia, Missouri, Miami. Fran, the money coach, Halloran. Tigers, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Missouri, Florida State. Teddy, I'm so sexy for my shirt, Hefner. Clemson, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Missouri, Florida State. Allen, the baddest boy in all the sports talk radio, Clemson, Vanderbilt, that's Smothers, by the way, 
Clemson, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Missouri, Miami. Pete, Stan, Yannitator, Yannity. He's got a lot of nicknames. Which one do you like the best for Pete? Which nickname do you prefer? Do you like Stan? The, you the like? Stan I don't quite understand. <laughs> I like the Yannitator. Yannitator, <laughs> yeah, that's mine. Pet. The Stan, Stan is because Pete's been working in the upstate for going on 25 years. He oh, replaced yeah. Stan Olenek, and people still call uh, him Stan. Oh, I got you. Really? They always, he'll be at a ball game, and people go, Hey, Stan, I enjoyed the sportscast last night. <laughs> you, guys, you know how in years past we've talked about the hangover teams have after playing Alabama? It's one of the reasons why I think a lot of us are thinking that South Carolina might be able to beat Kentucky can, is can that I same fin- thing. Can I finish the picks before you oh, get I thought you were done. No, I was talking about Pete's nickname, but I still have to give his picks. Oh, my bad. Yeah, go ahead. Stay tuned. Uh, Pete is taking Georgia Tech, Gamecocks, Georgia, Missouri, Florida State. Jim, attorney for the Stars and everybody else, Corbett. Clemson, Gamecocks, Georgia, Missouri, Florida State. And Don, the grandpappy of Sports Talk Radio, Georgia Tech, Gamecocks, Georgia, Missouri, Florida State. All right, what's your story? Am I the only one who took Ole Miss? Sounds like it. Um, No. Um, Dr. Rick took Ole Miss. Aha. And that's it. You're the only two. Is there a hangover effect? Like we used to say with Alabama, is there there that with Georgia? You mean? Because that factors into my decision to take Tennessee over Missouri, just thinking Missouri just played Georgia. They're going to be awfully beat up, like we used to say teams about Alabama. Yeah. I just think being at home is going to help Missouri. I think they're good. I think uh, the passing combo with Burden, of wide receiver, um, very good. The, the quarterback is elusive. He can also run. Uh, and that running back that they have, um, is it Schuster, I think? A very, very good running back. So I think they have a lot of things going for them. That's why I'm leaning that way. All right, top of the hour break. Lee Sterling, Sterling Picks coming up. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, gentlemen, Jim Corbett has informed me that I miscounted or misidentified his picks that he took Jacksonville State in Missouri last week. I had him down for the opposite. So you give him two more wins and take away uh, two losses, it flips his score to 26 and 24. So, I demand a recount, Phil. Recount them all. Well, if you, if you find a mistake, okay, if anybody finds a mistake, you let me know. I go back, I research, and I make the uh, corrections if necessary. But if I don't hear from you, I'm assuming everything is correct. But these people on our panel, they're so into this. If we make a mistake, uh, they let us know. So we have made the correction for Gentleman Jim. Congratulations, 26-24. Nice to know people are really uh, into our picking contest. Okay. So how about Lee Sterling and his Sterling picks? We welcome Lee in. And what a week he had last week. Not one, not two, not three, but four and O oh for Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. And Lee joins us once again here on Sports Talk to give us a few more picks for this weekend. Welcome in, sir. Congratulations, the El Perfecto. Thanks. Um, didn't feel so good. My wife came in. I'll never forget this 
Sunday afternoon, and she goes, you had a horrible weekend, didn't you? Huh. I'm like, no. She goes, why? Why? She goes, I thought I could tell when you're having a bad weekend. I said, no. University of Miami lost, and the Dolphins lost, but I actually went 9-5 and five for my clients. So <laughs> That means you're more concerned about your clients' well-being than your own mental well-being when it comes to your personal teams. You hit it right on the head with a nail. That's what makes you so successful. And you don't make uh, picks with your with your heart. You make it with your brain and with your knowledge, right. right? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, if I was in your job, for example, I'd be, being a Packers fan, I'd be playing the Packers every week, and I would, <laughs> you know, make my picks according in a way the Packers are going to win the game because I believe they're going to win every game, which, of course, they, they do not anymore. So tell everybody what you got special this weekend. All right, Phil. So what's interesting, uh, this is my 30th year in business. We rate our games from 10 to 50 units. We've only had our biggest plays are 40 to 50 unit plays. We're 62 and 20 lifetime on them. We have never had two 40 to 50 unit plays in one weekend ever. For the first time ever, I have one on, Thursday, on, on Saturday and one on Sunday. Never had that. Usually, you've got to be a monthly or season subscriber to get these 40 to 50 unit plays. I'm opening it up. I'm in such a good mood. Mm-hmm. If you want to get those two games plus five other games combined, college and pros, seven games, $117. So, biggest weekend ever in Paramount Sports history. Like to come on board. Love to have you because I know if I win for you, you're going to want to be on for the ride to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. And tell folks where to go and how to get the information. Easy. ParamountSports.com, just like the word Paramount. <laughs> Pictures, ParamountSports.com, or you can always call us here at the office, 800-400-9741. Okay, let's get to your games for us this week. Let's begin between the hedges where George is favored by 11 against Ole Miss. You know, I don't think the line, even if it was somewhere between 4 and 13, is going to matter. Why do I say that? I I think Lane Kiffin needs a signature win. If he's behind by 7, 10 points, middle of the third quarter on, he has the ball outside his 40. As long as it's not 4th and 10 or longer, I think he's going for it. I think that that's just in his manner here. I think they've got to run the football and play with a lead to have a chance to win here. I thought Missouri played extremely well last week. They had nothing to be ashamed of. Georgia just flat out a little bit better. And I think Lane Kiffin, sometimes his too aggressive Mm. game management ends up uh, costing him. I like Georgia. They pull away late, 34-17. Yeah, big dogs starting to eat now. They smell it once again. Uh, In the state of South Carolina, let's go to the Valley. Uh, Clemson favored by 14 against an improved and dangerous, kind of dangerous Georgia Tech team. Yeah, um, if Clemson loses last week, it was the natives not only would have gotten restless, it would have been, uh, I think Dabo might have had two or three calls into his, uh, his, his call-in show. But uh, this Georgia Tech team is playing really well. They've won and covered the last three road games with 248, 348, and 305 rushing yards. Their quarterback, a threat running the football also, now 14th and 13th in total in rushing offense here. I think Clemson wins the game 38-30. I just think 14-and-a-half is a little bit too aggressive, too much. You see Clemson giving up 30 points? 
Yeah, I, maybe some of it's late in the game, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think okay. it's going to be wide open. Let's yep. go to South Carolina Vanderbilt. Gamecocks favored by 14 against Vandy, two teams that um, can throw it pretty well and can't defend the pass pretty much at all. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be another wide-open game here. So uh, the key here is to run the ball some and keep this Vanderbilt offense off the field. Once you get a lead, uh, they've got a problem. They just don't have the depth. So uh, I think uh, this will be a fun game to watch, but I uh, think that uh, it's going to be a little uh, also closer than 14-and-a-half. I think South Carolina wins the game 41-28, to 28, but uh, slightly lean to Vandy. Oh, you can't give them a couple more points to cover, can you? No, no. Didn't do it last week either. We no. had Jacksonville State, so. Yep. Did not. I just got to be happy with the win, Phil. I got you. I got you. This is uh, – <laughs> listen, I call this their fortnight to get right, Jacksonville State and, and Vanderbilt. Uh, and then, you know, you get Kentucky and maybe you can beat Kentucky, mm-hmm. and then you have Clemson with a chance to earn a bowl bid if you can beat them. Your, uh, there you go. Your free game, Florida State and your beloved Miami Hurricanes. Big game here. Uh, we're going to find out if Miami in a rivalry game can get the job done. I know a lot of other teams around the country are going to be rooting for them. Another game with a high spread here. It's up to 14, 14 and a half. Anyone wants to get it for free, got a strong opinion on this game, just call 800-400-9741. Again, the number 800-400-9741. First five callers get it for free. And if you want to hop on board, biggest weekend ever. 240 to 50-unit plays, five other plays, seven plays total, $117, one place, ParamountSports.com. Always a pleasure hearing from you, sir. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. You, uh, you've heard his picks. You've heard our picks. You've heard the governor's picks. And uh, any other picks to add? I think we've got it covered. We um, we haven't mentioned basketball. Need to mention basketball. Got a lot of basketball tonight. Of course, South Carolina playing Virginia Tech over in Charlotte tonight. And Clemson is playing UAB over outside of Asheville. Well, no, I guess it's in Asheville at the mm-hmm. um, the Cherokee. What do they call it? The Cherokee Casino Arena? Is that what they call it now? Harris Cherokee Casino, I think. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that's the arena. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where they're. That's the name of the right. arena they're playing in. Yeah. So, um, and other basketball tonight uh, across the state as we look at Check the, that college uh, the schedule. Score. Yeah, we'll update that in a second. We got um, we got. Uh, let's see, the Clemson women playing Charleston Southern tonight. Uh, Furman hosting Belmont. That should be a good one. Upstate going to Vanderbilt. So a second South Carolina team going into Nashville <laughs> looking for a dub. Uh, so 30 Citadel. minutes apart. <laughs> yeah, Citadel hosting Boston College. And you mentioned the College of Charleston, Duquesne. Duquesne jumped out to a big early lead. They were up like 25-9 to nine in that one. Uh, it's now at the half 37-33 Cougars. So they've really turned it around after that slow start. Down 17 at one point in time in the first half. I'm guessing Pat Kelsey had to come to you know who meeting with his team uh, on the bench at one point in time. I would think first so. Half I would think so. Started, started rotating, and Pat brought up a good point off the air. They've got so much talent on that roster. He's got to figure out his rotation, and he may uh, have started to figure that out. 
in that first half. Give you some other scores. Liberty defeated Charlotte 71-59. Liberty's coming to Myrtle Beach next week for that tournament. And um, we've got uh, Michigan uh, leading Youngstown State 37-23. Once again, members of the Michigan basketball staff uh, advanced scouting the Youngstown State team, the Penguins, to pick up some uh, inside knowledge. That's a that's a joke on what's been going on with the Michigan football team. Cradle of coaches, right? For those who didn't Youngstown get it. State. For who? The cradle of coaches at Youngstown State. Uh, I mean, like, who came out of there? Well, uh, Jim Trestle, didn't he coach at Youngstown State before he ended up at Ohio State? I always thought Miami of Ohio was the c- uh, cradle of coaches. Well, that's right, because that's where uh, Dick Greek, Crum. had a couple. <laughs> that's where Dick yeah, Crum. Yeah, Denny Crum. <laughs> where Dick Crum came from. And uh, – didn't um, didn't Shim Beckler come through Miami of Ohio? I think Miami of Ohio had a bunch of coaches come through. Uh, NC State leading Abilene Christian seventeen to eleven. All right, let's go to the break. When we come back, we'll uh, update uh, some recruiting for you, and we'll have time to squeeze in a few phone calls. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. Another weekend is here. Think about weekends ahead and getting away to the beach of South Carolina and give Jimmy Smith a call. Let Jimmy and his staff find the perfect location for you, whether it's for a weekend or a week or longer, 843-237-4246, online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. I've said it once. I'll say it again. Jimmy Smith is the man, and your perfect beach getaway is waiting for you. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today.
I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Investing can be like a puzzle. There's so many pieces to consider, and it can be hard to know where to start. But with the right guidance, you can put the pieces together to create a winning strategy. That's where Founders Investment Services come in. Our team of financial advisors can help you navigate the complexities of investing and create a personalized plan that fits your goals and risk tolerance. We'll work with you to identify the pieces of your puzzle and how they fit into your financial future. Call 866-739-7064 or visit foundersfcuinvestments.com to learn more about how we can help you take the first step to Towards reaching your financial goals. Securities offered through LPL Financial. This year's Carolina and Clemson Jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000, whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the Second Chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win $50,000, $75,000, or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much. So get your tickets today. See SCEducationLottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second Chance odds depend on number of entries received. Farm Bureau Insurance's agricultural roots and ties to South Carolina farmers have shaped the company's culture and work ethic, providing a unique customer experience. Customers are treated like people, not policies. Now, while other insurance companies may have a one-size-fits-all approach to handling customers, we believe you need to be valued and treated right. Our claims professionals work until the job is done, and our agents still believe in the commitment that comes with a handshake. Call Buddy Bridges and Clinton and Lawrence at 864-923-217 for all of your auto, home, and life insurance needs. All right, time to give you the recruiting report tonight here on Sports Talk. That is brought to you by Seawells. And make plans next week, of course, to get out to Seawells for the daily luncheon buffet from 11 to 2. It's only $14. You'll find it to be the best buffet anywhere in the entire world. And for the best in the catering business. And you need catering. We all need catering from time to time. Maybe for a wedding. Maybe for a funeral. Maybe for a birthday. You ever had catering at a funeral? I'm sure there there's catering at funerals. People like to oh, eat. Yeah. People like to drown their sorrows. Well, not really at the eat. funeral. You would have it afterwards. No, I mean right the there. I'm the talking deceased. right yeah, no. there at the site. Roll out the grub. Why wait? Have it waiting for you right there. Anyway, I'm being foolish. It's got dark quick. The uh, folks at Seawells will do your catering anywhere you ask, or they'll host at their location on Rosewood Drive, 803-771-7385, online at seawellscateringsc.com. So let's talk about uh, a prospect that Clemson is involved with in the 2025 class, and he is a uh, wide receiver out of Buford, Georgia. Jordan Allen, 
He uh, picked up a Clemson offer back in September on a visit for Florida State, 5'7", 170. He's got Georgia, Florida, UCF, and Louisville, other offers at this point. He was on a on campus for the Clemson win over Notre Dame as well, and that, that gave uh, the staff another opportunity to make an impression with him. He really likes uh, Coach Grisham, and uh, he said that Tyler Grisham tells him he's a Clemson guy, so they seem to like him quite a bit. And um, he uh, is one of two receivers with offers from Clemson at this point, uh, the other being Cortez Mills. And so the Tigers are kind of making them their point of emphasis in recruiting receivers right now. Allen has been to Clemson, Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia, Duke, North Carolina, and UCF. And he plans a return visit to Clemson this Saturday. And so the Tigers obviously are finding themselves in pretty good shape with him at this point. One of Clemson's remaining targets for the offensive line in the 24 class will take his official this weekend, offensive guard Elijah Thurman, 6'5", 275, of Hinesville, Georgia. He camped at Clemson last summer. He visited unofficially for the Florida State game in September. He is scheduled for an official to USC next weekend. He also has on his short list Duke, Central Florida, LSU, Missouri, Georgia Tech, and Florida. He was recently invited to the Under Armour All-American game. Also scheduled for an official to Clemson this weekend is linebacker Bradley Shaw, 6'1", 216, of Hoover, Alabama. This according to Paul Strelo of Tiger Illustrated. Shaw made officials to Arkansas and Notre Dame in the summer. He also visited Clemson for their recruiting weekend in late July, was back for the Florida State game in late September. Auburn has also been a major component of his recruitment. USC offered safety Cam Dooley of Valley, Alabama. He was previously committed to Missouri. He's also picked up offers from Georgia Tech, Missouri, Wisconsin, and Maryland. Running back Anthony Carey of Tampa plans to visit USC Saturday. He's been a Michigan State commitment, but with the turnover up there, this could be a player who comes back into play. He had the Gamecocks on his short list when he committed to the Spartans in June, along with Notre Dame, Ole Miss, North Carolina, and Oklahoma. 2026 quarterback Bryson Riggins of Seal, Alabama, plans to visit USC on Saturday, has an offer from Ole Miss. USC target 2025 receiver David DeGraff Rodriguez of Providence was offered by Duke. USC basketball target 2025-65 Jameer Jones, take an official visit to Providence this weekend. And new USC signee 6'9", Oku Federico, will play four games in South Carolina with his team from Drive Basketball Academy in Finland this January. They'll play at Ben Lippin on the second, Wren on the third, Gray Collegiate on the fourth, and Wilson on the sixth. There you go with recruiting tonight. Here on Sports Talk, remember to check it out on our website, sportstalksc.com, and also on Twitter, use the hashtag STRecruiting. All right, got a full bank of phone calls late here on a Friday night. So let's go to Rodney in Mount Pleasant. First up tonight on Sports Talk, thank you for waiting, Rodney, and welcome in. I got a full bank of phone calls. And you got to turn your radio down. Rodney. Let's go to... Okay, let's put Rodney back Rodney. on hold. I don't like hearing myself. So we go to um, – Swing and a miss. Yeah, it's okay. 
We're going to go to, to uh, Gamecock Larry. Is he next? Yeah. Gamecock Larry over in Swansea. Hello, Gamecock Larry. You've been waiting a while. We appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Short and sweet. Gamecocks, 44. Vanderbilt, 17. And Dabo, Gamecock Larry from Swansea, South Carolina. Tigers, 30, 31, Ramblin' Reddick, 34. Mm. That's all I got. Yes, sir, Ramblin' Reddick, go lay it on the Tigers, devil. Go Gamecock Larry. I ain't Kyle from Spartanburg. I'm Gamecock Larry from Swansea, South Carolina. Go Gamecock. All the way. Talk to you later. Love all y'all. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Larry. Same to you. Surprise, Larry likes the Gamecocks, and he likes whoever Clemson's playing to beat the Tigers. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Let's go next to Andy. Is that right? Andy in Columbia. Andy, got about two minutes. Fire away. Okay. Good, after, good evening, fellas. First off, I want to say thank you to the veterans out there, their spouses, their children, and their parents for giving us the privilege of their service. And I really appreciate that. Not to mention the number one veteran of Sports Talk Radio who just was on, Gamecock Larry. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So I want to thank thank them all very much for what they Was he World War One? Was Gamecock Larry World War One? No. I think he I think he was in Korea. Okay. Sounds like the Revolutionary think. War. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's just a bad to put you back there. And, and and Larry, we we say that with all due respect. <laughs> but I say that with all my heart to Larry that I just really appreciate what he's done and I appreciate I enjoy listening to him, even if I wasn't a Gamecock fan. Mm-hmm. Okay, Corn. The other question is you got twenty seconds. Of course, you forgot your wallet today when you were deaf to Rick, is what I hear. So, uh, once again, mm. Corn takes someone to lunch but forgets his wallet. You know, that's a what very convenient excuse to have when one is supposed to pick up the check. <laughs> what do you think about the basketball game tonight, the Virginia Tech-South Carolina game? I haven't heard much about it anywhere. I was wondering yeah. what. And that's, why, that's the problem with basketball the first week of November, or the first week and a half. We're all into football. I don't know enough about these two teams to even know who might win. That's our fault, not the teams. No, no, that's true. Yes, it is. That's our fault. It's not the teams. We need to promote it more. Well, they need to There's a good game tonight. Agreed. Yeah, but that could be a really, really good basketball game tonight. All right, got to hit a break. We'll be back. Don't go away. It is time to talk about the great game of golf. 
here in the state of South Carolina and beyond our borders as it impacts those of us here in the state of South Carolina, birdies and bogeys and biceps. Here on Sports Talk, I bring the bogeys, George Bryan III, he brings the birdies, and Robbie Thames, he brings, as I saw in person yesterday, he brings the biceps. All right, it's good to have everybody together. George is in Bermuda, where he's got two of his his offspring, two of the fruit of his loin, uh, playing in a PGA tournament together for the first time. History for the Bryan family. First of all, congratulations to all involved. How are things in Bermuda? Are you wearing Bermuda shorts? Oh, absolutely, and in full. Bermuda colors, navy and pink, that's pretty popular over here. This show uh, has been international before, and here we go once again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, and it's, uh, this is, uh, the, the island's beautiful, and and without a, without a doubt, <coughs> golf is, it's gorgeous golf, beautiful, beautiful ocean, blue-green ocean, and then, uh, but the people here, are so warm and embracing. Uh, they love uh, they love not just their island, but they love the tourists and they love each other. So mm. hey, it's beautiful, but the the hearts are even more so. And let's I just just a little warning here now. The service, my cell service, can be as it is now, but then there's dead air. So. Then what? We're, let's go ahead and bring Tsunami Robbie on if he's with us tonight. Well, as we bring you in, and, let me uh, update the leaderboard there where you are because we got a lot of locals there. So uh, as Robbie gets on board, I'll tell you that Alex Noren leads at 15 under after a 66, and then Ryan Moore and Satoshi Kodaira, Ryan Brim, they are all at uh, 13 under par. As far as the locals go, Doc Redman. 66, he's 11 under. DJ Trahan, a 70 today, he's at 9 under. Ben Martin, a 70, he's at 7 under. Lucas Glover, a 65, he's at 7 under. Andrew Novak, a 70, he's at 5 under. Kyle Stanley, a 69, he's at 5 under. Wesley Bryan, a 64, he went low, he's at 5 under. George Bryan, the fourth. A 69 yesterday, a 68 today. He's at 5-under. William McGirt, a 67. He's at 5. Scott Brown, a 69. He's at 4. Tommy Ganey, a 75. He's at minus 1. Jonathan Burt, a 72. He's at minus 1. Chris Baker, a 70. He is even par. It says the round was suspended. Projected cut is minus 5 right now. So the two Brian boys, before we go to Robbie George, your boys are right there on the cut line. Why was, it says, round two suspended? Was there some weather or darkness or anything that has interfered? I, as I scroll through the, I see just maybe a, a couple of players down the list who have not uh, finished their round. So, anyway, you got both kids sitting right there on the cut line. Yeah, it looks like they're both going to play on the weekend. It's, uh, at this point, I think it's impossible for them to get knocked out. And the days are very short. Field is large. They start early, 6.45, 6.50, I think, is the first time. And with the number of players in the field, uh, just they can't get it all in. Uh, sun goes down 
and it falls like a rock. <laughs> it falls like a rock probably in the 520, 530 category. And so, uh, but it's been absolutely gorgeous here. And let's bring on welcome, Tsunami Robbie. Mm. I heard you all had some fun. Oh yeah, hmm. I'm sure. Phil, <laughs> I'm sure Phil's gonna is gonna bring uh, uh bring out the news. Uh, I'm not gonna burst the bubble. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for the announcement. The course record at the scramble has been set, <laughs> and and uh, guess who owns it? Uh, I'll I'll just say the name and then I'll let him talk about the score. Phil Cornblute is the course record holder <laughs> at the scramble. Well now. You know, it was set up for me to play the first official. Now, George, as I did mention it last night, Robbie, I couldn't hold back. So we set the course record at two under uh, 16, two under par 16. So, George, uh, you probably were shocked that it came in at under par. Uh, I had to roll in a couple of lengthy birdie putts to, to make it happen, but I got it done. I got it done. That is pretty amazing. I'm proud of you. And I didn't see it coming. I'll have to admit that is uh, impressive. And was the format one club uh, or did you use a putter? Uh, Robbie gave me the choice. I chose to use my stick, my, um, you know, my, my trusty putter that I've had for, uh, for 30 years. It's a Ray Cook. It's a Ray Cook model, circa All right, so, so 1992. One the, one, okay, let me break in. <laughs> Let me break in. Let me break in because in the in the professional division, uh, at least in the format that we're going to probably uh, point towards uh, for those is just one club. You only get to use a wedge. Now in the amateur division, the the wedge and the putter is is permitted. In the so it, it is a significant difference. <laughs> well, now Robbie used his wedge. And he putts and, very well with his wedge. Well, the the for the uh, first of all, there has to be an attest that. Uh, there has to be two players playing to attest the score. Yep. Can't set a score, a course record, nor can you have a hole-in-one by yourself. It must be attested. And so it does sound like this is an official <laughs> course record. Uh, Phil, have you got any other course records to your name? Uh, this would be the only one to this point. I hope to set a few more. But let me say this, too. I don't know if you saw this news. This was carried by the AP and Reuters that uh, we named the bridge – that carries you uh, on to the, the first fairway from the first tee. We, we named it the Robbie and George Gorge Bridge. The, <laughs> because it goes across a little ditch, which I called a gorge. That little ditch is a gorge. So it's the Robbie and George Gorge Bridge. Because every, every famous golf course has a bridge named after somebody, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I guess I guess so. Uh, and uh, that one's that's pretty good there. Yeah. So, uh, and that, I have to admit that these small these small snapshots of golf, I think uh, I think I, I think golf needs it, especially if you're going to get. Uh, it's not just for new players in the game, but players who are uh, who value time. It's a uh, it's a great little course to help folks learn how to play fast. And if you play fast, if you learn to play fast, you'll play better. It's pretty cool. You can get in you know, 18 holes. How long did it take you to play 18 holes? Well, we how many rounds, Robbie? We did about uh, five trips around, I think, before we 
we we undertook the counting round. Is that right? Did about five practice rounds. Yeah, I'd say that's correct. Probably uh, got in five, and then we uh, went up to the top and uh, just decided, okay, uh, this is it. This is the one. We're digging in. We're going. We're going to stay focused like a laser beam, and we're going to post a score. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. George, y'all have done a great job out there with that thing. It's just a lot of fun. I tell people to uh, if you're in West Columbia on Chris Road over there, go by Tsunami Bar Sports. And, uh, I, I, right, I mean, you guys are going to have a plan, right? You just can't walk up there and, and, and play, I guess. You, you're going to have a plan about how people can uh, access it? Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll come out 2024 with uh, formats. And right now there are a couple of things that, that it, could be, it could have been done this week. didn't sound like I talked to our, uh, our captain, Mike Ramsey. It sounds like he was playing golf uh, I'm not sure those wrinkles were ironed out. Just little things, just a little housekeeping before it, before we uh, open it up uh, for official play. And Robbie, you would know more. Uh, you would have us updated, but it didn't sound like to me those the house cleaning had quite been uh, complete yet. And yeah, 2024 be, will be the. Uh, announcement probably over the Christmas between Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, which is right here at us, but it's artificial turf. Neat thing is uh, <laughs> it'll be 365, beautiful putt. Just like you found it is the daily, what you find every day. Mm-hmm. And greens are nice and smooth. Uh, again, five minutes, seven minutes for five, for six holes and, and I'm, well, there there is there is point, the, there is the one green. They are smooth, but there is the one green where the um, what got under that green, Robbie? Uh, the mole, the mole, mole got, cricket, yeah, mole cricket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, that's that's one of the house. Green. I'd say that's under the housekeeping. <laughs> I, I imagine somebody out there like uh, in Caddyshack. Uh, Chasing that mole around uh, th- that wooded area there with a stick of dynamite, trying to blow him up. <laughs> At least that's, that's what I good. imagine in my mind. Uh, it, yeah, we also there's there's a few other things that we need to need to complete out there. But in but in short, you can get out and work on small swings that that uh, that help translate into the larger swings and ball golf ball control and fun if you learn through the small swing you'll learn how to do it the right way if you learn how to do it the right way golf can be pretty easy and that's what we're about to, to prove in 2024 is just how quick easy if you want to make a change it can be done or or if you're brand or, or if you're a veteran and you just want you just decide you have a dream or a goal uh, you come out work on the short shots and develop a little more skill and and that breeds the longer ones. And so it, it, there's a big misnomer out there that the game can be difficult, but 2024 we're going to show the world otherwise, right, Tsunami Robbie? Oh, yeah, looking forward to it. The the, uh, the short course, uh, just like you said, we just got a couple little things we got to do. Really won't change any of the aesthetics of the course as it looks right now outside of putting up um, you know, the rules of play. Uh, uh, sign that's going to be right there posted at number one and um, hmm. and uh, 
the inside part, which Phil got to, t- uh, to take a look at that, where the simulator room is and, and the big uh, screen to hit into there and the, and the putting floor and then the putting surface out front, 900 square feet out front. So uh, everything's looking good. It's on track, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Can't wait. Hey, George, so let me ask you quickly. I, I know you don't like to um, uh, dominate your show talking about the Bryans, but I have to because, I mean, you're over – you're you're in Bermuda and you got your two boys there, but and you got George playing in his first, George Bryan the fourth, his first ever PGA event, which is very exciting, and he's hanging in there at minus five. I'm just looking at some of his numbers. Uh, he's had seven birdies. And he's had um, an eagle. He's had four bogeys, no doubles, nothing, no others. So that's good. Um, what's it been like for him? What are you seeing in his game? How's he handling, you know, being out there among the world's best now on the PGA Tour, giving it a shot? Well, he's, he's 35 years old. And I'd say a a good portion, at least a third of the field, he has competed with for a number of years, just not, not, uh, well, he competed through junior and college golf for a number of years. And, and there's a fine line between where he has played professional golf and where the PGA tour is. He finally got a chance to, to cash that ticket and walk his dream. And he's, he's discovering he's, he's, (laughs) he's really, he's pretty good. And, and it's what, what most out there don't really understand, and they can look at the cut lines and they can look at, you know, I, was, I think it was uh, one of our locals. You mentioned he was four under. Tommy Ganey had a rough day at one under. And what I can, what I can offer is this. The, we're talking about players just in a tour event. That's pretty, pretty incredible there, their skill level. And then when, you, when we discuss making a cut, and I'll just I'll just throw it out. And I, I I know that there'll be folks that are especially if they've got amateur stripes, and they go, well, I'll, I'm one of the, uh, the club champion is, is this or the state amateur champ is that. And I can just tell you, the best in the world is just different. And just to make a cut is spectacular. And let me repeat that. And it's not just because George did. It's spectacular golf if you can make a cut on the PGA Tour. And at the same time, I, I did just brush by him a second ago and said, hey, listen, son, he, he said, uh, hey, Dad, you never made a cut. <laughs> and I only played in two events. He goes, Dad, you never made a cut. At least I made a cut. I said, yeah, but I never got a sponsor's invite either. I had to qualify. Oh. <laughs> oh. So uh, it, it, it's uh, it's pretty cool, Wesley. Uh, Wesley's been – he's – He's just not been on his game of recent. I'm pretty sure had George not been here, he would be he would have the weekend off in Bermuda. But that little that little uh, sibling rivalry that brought it out of Wesley. There's absolutely no question. He could not have botched up uh, an easy day yesterday, um, <laughs> and he shoots a couple over par on a day when everybody was just blowing the doors off of it. It's really easy. Compare, comparatively speaking, the, yeah. the, uh, the rough is not deep here right now. So you can play golf off the side of the fairways. And, but, so he's well back 
very close to last, which is somewhere he, he spent some time there. And today, just without a lot of game, uh, still not hitting it in the fair in, in the fairway or in the center of the face, he figured out a way to shoot 64. And, and today was a little more difficult. Uh, the wind was up and and. Uh, well, he drove it. I'm, I'm looking at some of his hand, numbers. He he drove it well today. Apparently, um, averaging about, about uh, no, talking about uh, yeah. Uh, from looking at his, it looks like he had a long drive of two ninety six. Um, uh, his putting has been good based on the stats that I'm seeing. He's like yeah. he's like tenth in putting. Yeah. No. Now the putting the putting is definitely good. The scrambling, spectacular. Mm-hmm. The uh, full swing, not so much. Regardless of what what the stats or shot length said, he's a lot of a lot of off center balls that are not crushing. I mean, yesterday he he uh, he makes a triple and a double. Uh, when there's, I didn't even realize you. Could, I didn't know you could hit the ball where he hit it. Um, he had a stretch of. <laughs> three swings, he, he called them passes. He, I made three passes, and I had four penalty shots. Uh, I don't know how you do that, Ooh. and I was out there watching it and still don't know how that can be done. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, George George is uh, just center cut. Everything's his balls in front of him and probably playing the golf of his life. Uh and the players that let's see, he was playing with Peter Quest. Now, there's a young fellow that I think the world is going to learn more about. He's a qualifier. I don't think he's uh, actually still don't think he's got a PGA Tour card. He'll have it next year, but he's still playing with limited status. And this kid is good. I think he's out of BYU, or I could be wrong about that. I was really impressed watching him. I'd read about him. I don't know how many events he's qualified for, but I want to say at least a handful of six or eight. But he's earned everything just out of no category. What what really separates golf from some of the other major league sports or professional sports is it's still a game that almost anybody can come into, just about like G4. G4, if he, if he were to get hot and just play his best golf, it, there's a chance he could win this event. Mm. With no status, Freddie Freddie Wadsworth came from nowhere in 1987 and or 1986, excuse me, won the 1986 Southern Open, and all of a sudden he's a world class star. Monday qualified and won, pretty daggum spectacular. Gamecock. So it really uh, and, and George and Wesley are not the first brothers to play. I I remember. Uh, uh, Number of them, the strange, the strange brothers. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Byman, uh, Byron, mm-hmm. the Byron brothers. Yep. Kurt and Tom, they were, they were really good. Both of them won, and I think both of them won. But anyhow, uh, for this dad though, it's a lot of fun to see both boys in the PGA Tour. At first, I was a little upset they didn't pair them together, but then I got to thinking, you know. That's probably a great thing, uh, and they separated them by one group. Still let them play. Uh, one group separating, teed them off the boat, off both uh, same side. So uh, they were close, but not too close. And I think 
at the end of the day, I think that's probably why both of them are playing and, <laughs> this and, weekend. And George, just to jump uh, in that, real quick, uh, uh, just hey, maybe that we, as we're talking about your boys, maybe eventually they'll become like the Bryan brothers, Bob and Mike, who are the most successful duo all time in, in tennis on the on the double circuit. But I, I love following your boys on uh, Brian Bros Golf and uh, Brian Bros social media accounts on YouTube. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those different things. And I saw recently George, the guys were out on a course, and George was giving a step-by-step how to approach a par three and what his mechanics are walking up to a tee when he's on a, on a par three. And it's all being recorded, I'm assuming, by, by Wesley. And sure enough, George walks up and is like, all right, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, watch me. And then he hits it, and he hits a hole-in-one. <laughs> And it was one of the most amazing things I've seen. That went, it went wildly viral. I'm sure you've seen it as well. But what's it like, aside from just watching play on the PGA Tour or on a, a minor league circuit, web.com, whatever, what's it like seeing their social media as, as well and just all the different areas of their game? Well, the easiest way to answer that is I don't understand social media that much. I do, I do understand the golf. That happened here in Bermuda and – from a golf standpoint, even outside of that, uh, G Force kind of temporarily, uh, I'll say a golf star here. <laughs> and that is, uh, it's quite hum- humbling though, to, to, to know that the, as many people follow them and know about them as they do. And you know, the one thing I can say based on what I see or know about social media and the way they are, it's about one and the same. They don't have a stage presence. Uh, it, it, but it is quite humbling that uh, that they have attracted that much interest. I don't even know what to think about it either, other than uh, it's humbling. Well, I, I think that, uh, Robbie, uh, I'm sure one of the proud moments for Wesley was not too long ago when he made a tour around the scramble and he birdied all six holes. Now, that was unofficial. The, the course wasn't finished. It wasn't open. Th- thus, it's not the, the record, which I own. But to go out and birdie all six is pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you are correct. That was unofficial, but uh, I was there, and um, and Wesley was playing with uh, two other uh, really good, accomplished golfers, and Scott Stevens uh, was inside the the Tsunami Center with uh, we were in there working out and talking about working out and getting fit and using the Tsunami Bar technology and. And uh, and the door burst wide open, and Wesley Bryan comes in, thumping his chest like King Kong, uh, and uh, announced to the world that he had just uh, been around the scramble and twelve. He, he birdied up <laughs> hole, <laughs> and uh, the two uh, his two playing partners came in and said they're shaking his head, going, "Yeah, we saw it. He did it." Um, so uh, he's a very talented young man. He's uh, and and uh, you know a lot of fun to be around and. And um, those guys out there playing in, in Bermuda, uh, I, I was I, I was out there playing today too in a little in a little tournament and um, tried to keep up with it uh, hole by hole as much as I could. And they got to the five under, and uh, and and you know, they finished early. They played early today, so they were done. And um, and seeing them seeing them hang on to get to make the cut, fantastic. Yeah. Go. Hey uh, George, you want to sign us hey, out? A lot of- Oh, a lot of fun. I certainly appreciate the opportunity. Till next weekend, you guys have some fun. Tee them high, but shoot them low. Thank you, George. Have fun there. Good luck to your guys. Thank you, Robbie. Great seeing you yes, yesterday. Sir. See you again soon. 
Uh, Chris, thank you. Have a great weekend yes, with Coastal. Don't forget the scoreboard coming up at 10.05.